This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation, and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews, we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL, your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo. The Raiders offense is at a crossroads and Luke Getze is stepping in as the architect of the future. What does this mean for the team? From the Packers to the Bears and now to the Raiders, Luke Getze's journey has been nothing short of fascinating. Let's unpack his vision for the Las Vegas Raiders. Welcome back to Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey Sports original podcast covering your Las Vegas Raiders. Scott Branson back after a week off, yes, but my partner Mo Moten, well, He's off for a few more days, so he'll be back for Thursday's show. Today, what are we going to do? We're going to get into the Luke Getze hire. First, with my take on kind of what we heard from his press conference late last week. And then, in the next segment, Levi Edwards, the gifted writer for Raiders.com, will join us to get an inside look at how all this change on Raiders' way is impacting the team and the organization. So we have a packed show for you today. Yes, we're off for a week, but we're coming right back at you. And do us a favor, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your audio, wherever you get your podcast, tune in and make sure you turn on the auto download. And don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the notifications bell and hit that thumbs up for us. If you're in the chat, good to see you back there. We love doing that. The Las Vegas Raiders, a team, of course, with a storied history and a passionate fan base, the Raider Nation, are at a pivotal juncture. The introduction of Luke Getze as the new offensive coordinator last week marks a significant shift in their approach to the game. With a rich background that includes successful spells with the Green Bay Packers and, of course, the Chicago Bears, Getze's innovative offensive strategy and his ability to develop players have caught the eye of the NFL world, which is why Antonio Pierce hired him as the offensive coordinator in Las Vegas. The focus now turns... To the quarterback, Aiden O'Connell. Remember the Raiders' promising young quarterback, O'Connell, who stepped up last season amidst the team turmoil, has shown flashes of brilliance that Raider fans haven't seen in a long time, yet Getsy's first task will be to harness this raw talent and mold into something consistent. But is O'Connell the long-term answer? I say no. He's a good developmental player, a solid backup, but not the dynamic starter 
I believe the Raiders need. Nothing against O'Connell, but it's just not about him. The Raiders' offense as a whole stands on the cusp, I think, of really transformation. Getsy's philosophy of playing to his roster strength, from what he told us at the press conference, will likely see other key players being utilized in more dynamic and impactful ways, i.e. Trey Tucker. This could mean a shift in playing style with an emphasis on versatility and adaptability, characteristics that have defined Getsy's coaching's ethos. We still don't know the future of Josh Jacobs, this team's best offensive weapon, over the past handful of years, Will they resign him? Will he leave and test free agency? What's his worth entering his sixth season when running backs traditionally fall off a cliff performance-wise? That will be part of what Getze and his new boss, Antonio Pierce, will have to decide and have to figure out. It's just going to have to be. With the upcoming draft, the Raiders are positioned to further bolster their offense, right? Holding the number 13th pick overall, the team has a golden opportunity to select a player there or above that, who can make an immediate impact. We continue to hear from Pierce and the Raiders. They could be aggressive in pursuing a quarterback in the draft. We heard this in various interviews, meaning they could move up. Given Gessie's history and the current composition of the Raiders roster, it's plausible they might lean towards a dynamic offensive weapon, i.e. a quarterback, or perhaps reinforce their line to give O'Connell and whomever they bring in at quarterback better protection. The draft class is rich with talent and Getsy's insight will be invaluable to making this critical decision. If you look at his history, what sets Getsy apart is his ability to innovate and adapt. His tenure with the Packers and Bears showcased an offensive mind that was not only creative, but also pragmatic. Expect Getsy to bring in a fresh perspective to the Raiders, one that's smart, efficient football, right? So not gambling football, but efficient. The success of this approach will hinge on how well the players buy into the vision, of course, and execute it on the field. I can't underscore enough, though, how much this team needs to commit to a quarterback, and they need to do so through the draft. Doesn't mean they don't bring in a veteran to compete, but I do think they need to do that through the draft. These calls for expensive veterans like Wilson, these calls for expensive veterans like Russell Wilson or Kirk Cousins are misguided. It doesn't matter how many first-round quarterbacks don't pan out. When you have a chance to take what could be a game-changing quarterback, you have to take the risks. Taking that risk is far better than taking a risk on a veteran, no matter who they are. Are the Raiders set to be a playoff contender? I believe so, yes. Are they set to be a Super Bowl contender? Not yet. Again, as my friend Mo says, scared money don't make money. Stop chasing names like Russell Wilson and develop your own damn quarterback. That's where the Raiders need to be. We know this much is true. The Raiders offense is on the brink of a new dawn. With Luke Getze at the helm, there's a palpable sense of optimism. Yet, as with any significant change, there's a blend of excitement and uncertainty. The wait and see approach is wise, but the foundations for success are being laid today. As Raiders fans, analysts, and the wider NFL community watch closely, the 2024 season could well be the beginning of a memorable chapter in the Raiders' storied history, but it won't be without challenge. Not everything Tom Telesco, Antonio Pierce, and Luke Getze will do will be successful. It's just not going to be, folks. There's going to be there's going to be hits and misses, no question. But I do know this. The Raiders with Getze need to focus on a game-changing quarterback. Is there a quarterback, uh, or is there a guarantee any quarterback, I should say, in the draft will work out? No. But without committing to a young quarterback of the future, the Raiders are destined to trend, excuse me, to tread water. 
with uh, Getsy at the helm, it's time to let him loose and just just give him what he needs, folks, to get the job done. That starts and ends with quarterback. If you disagree, I'm sorry, but you're just wrong. I'm open to discussion, but you need a young quarterback. So it's a time to step aside um, and and take our first break now. But I will tell you this again. All these names pop up. People, oh, go get Russell Wilson. Go get Kirk Cousins. Go get Baker Mayfield. Listen, I got no problem with and think the Raiders should bring in a veteran quarterback to compete with O'Connell and whomever they draft. But this idea that you cannot take risk, this idea that the Raiders, well, 60% of quarterbacks in the first round never make it to the front. It doesn't matter. 40% do. You got to take the risk. The Raiders have not, since since 2014, have not drafted a quarterback that they attempted to make their franchise quarterback. You got to try it. If it doesn't work out, you move on, you do it again, okay? But this whole idea, well, do this, do that, I just think it's completely short-sighted. It's short-sighted. And if you're looking through a fan lens, I get it, you want to win. But the Raiders are not a Super Bowl team. Again, they're a playoff team, I believe. I don't think anything short of the playoff next year will be a success. But they're not there yet to where you'd say, oh, okay, put Kirk Cousins on this team and they can win a Super Bowl. If, if they were there, I would understand that approach and get a rookie and you let them sit, i.e. the Chiefs model, right? But you got to do it. And I go back to most statements, scared money don't make money. And it's, it's, it's you, 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 oh, you have to give up too many draft picks. How do you know you're arguing against yourself when you say, well, you don't know if you draft a quarterback in the first round, they might not pan out. 60% of them don't pan out. And then you're saying, but don't trade up for that quarterback because then you're giving away draft picks. But then you just said that those draft picks don't always work out. It's a circular argument. You just got to take the risk. You got to go with the evaluation you have in-house with your staff and you got to go for it. And I don't think the Raiders move on and move forward without trying to get that young quarterback. And I think they'll try to move up in the draft. If they don't and they're at 13, take the best guy you can there. It's J.J. McCarthy, who might be gone by then actually. If it's Bo Nix, whoever it is, whoever they like, doesn't matter who you like, doesn't matter who I like, doesn't matter what the QB draft experts say, it's going to be what Tom Telesco and that staff, Antonio Pierce, what they believe to be the best guy for them. So we'll see. All right. Well, coming back after the break, Levi Edwards from Raiders.com is going to be our guest. We're going to ask him about the mood, the mood around the Raiders facility. Obviously, with all of the change there, all positive, Antonio Pierce, people are excited we saw a lot of that uh, during Super Bowl week as he made the rounds and did all his interviews. So we will get from inside there, we'll get Levi's per, uh, uh, perspective, and we'll also ask him about the Luke Getze press conference, which he attended, and we'll get caught up on his shoe game. He's a big shoe guy. I am not, but he will get us up to speed on that. You're listening to Silver and Black today an Odyssey Original Podcast. Don't go anywhere. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time 
baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back, Silver and Black today. Segment number two, we appreciate you guys being with us. Do us a favor, if you don't already subscribe to the podcast, please do so wherever you get your audio. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, thanks. Always great in the chat. Make sure you subscribe and hit that notifications bell and give us a thumbs up. Uh, It always helps. We're going to get into the Raiders' new attitude, their new mood, if you will. Obviously, everyone out there excited, fans excited, Uh, Even the media was excited. Antonio Pierce gets the job full-time. Tom Telesco comes in. A lot going on in Raider Nation. And to talk about that, we're bringing on our good friend now, Levi Edwards from uh, Raiders.com, who joins us by audio today. Uh, Levi, thanks for being with us, man. Uh, I'm sure you're hyped up just as much as everybody else in the building with what's going on there, aren't you? Yeah, it's definitely an exciting time in the building. You have a lot of familiar faces, but you have have a lot of new faces coming in as well. You saw what Antonio Pierce did in the season going five and four, and he really just turned around the vibe and the atmosphere of the building. And not only are his players happy, but his coaches are happy. The staff is happy, you know, on, on the second and third floor at Raiders HQ. We're all really excited for this upcoming season. Uh, I really do think depending on, you know, the, the choices that we make in free agency and also as well as the draft choices that we make as well, I definitely think that this could potentially be the most anticipated Raiders football season going into 2024 that we've seen in a long time. Yeah, well put. And I think, you know, I talked to some folks there too in the building uh, who work in various departments and to a person, they've all told me exactly what you said. And this is not looking backwards and, you know, casting shade on anybody else. It's about right now. And they just all feel that there's a special, as one person explained it to me, there's a bounce in the building and it goes from everybody, from the ticketing staff to what you guys do for a living on, on Raiders.com, to the players, to the coaches. And when you see that and and it starts to get infectious, um, talk about what that, for somebody in the building every day, talk about what that means on a daily basis for all of you guys. Because if people don't understand, and, and I'm not, you guys love what you do. But it's a lot of work, a lot of hours. You're away from family. You, you 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 don't have a lot of holidays. All that stuff that's going on to have that sort of atmosphere now on Raiders Way. Just talk what it means for you guys on a daily basis. Well, it's huge because what's great about the Raiders is no one is ever going to be above the shield. Uh, but it's a very team-oriented place. It's a very family-oriented place. But at the same time, now with uh, these new changes and the people that are in place, uh, you can feel a sense of individuality uh, in the building. And what I mean is, is that even though we're all a part of, of one thing, one shield, I believe that the ability for us to be who we are on the individual level and, you know, bring something unique to the table is definitely a lot more uh, valued and appreciated uh, for sure. Just in terms of and, and I've, it has felt like that before, not yeah. saying that it hasn't. I'm just saying that now, uh, you know, with Antonio Pierce under, you know, the helm and him doing his thing, he's really, really uh, approached it from, you know, the sense of, you know, this is how we do it. And it's not going to look conventional. Sometimes it's not going to look pretty, but this is who we are. And, uh, you know, this is what you're going to have to, this is what you're going to have to accept. He's very much a, uh, 
you know, take me for who I am, what you see is what you get kind of guy. And when you have a guy like that in place as your coach, uh, you know, everybody else follows suit, follows line. And, and it's really great to see and really great to have, especially, you know, me as an African-American male who, who works in this industry. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of people that look like me in this space, you know, with team websites. So to also have someone, you know, an African-American coach, you know, working for a team that hired the first African-American coach in, in modern era history in uh, NFL. And uh, that's huge. So I don't take that for granted either. Yeah, no, that's cool. And and it really goes back to the roots of Al Davis, because if you if you go back to the the, the heyday uh, when, when Al was younger and building the Raiders into what they were as well, he always said that, and that's why he went out and signed guys like Lyle Alzado, right? And 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 he he wanted people to be who they were. And if you even go back to talk to Phil Villapiano, who I know you've had the pleasure of talking to several times too, they will always tell you they he didn't care. He just wanted you to be yourself and to go out and win. And so it's it's nice that some of that has come back. And like you said, it's been there all along. But to have a coach kind of reaffirm that and put a stake in the ground and say, hey, here's who the Raiders are is something special. Well, let's get to the, the latest announcement. Of course, Luke Getze introduced uh, to the media, and I'm showing your story up here on the screen, your latest work on Luke Getze uh, up on Raiders.com. If you haven't checked out Levi's work on Raiders.com, you're missing out. Make sure you do that. But uh, I was I was struck by the press conference because I wasn't sure what to expect. You know, Luke, Luke Getze has a good background uh, but of course, the Chicago situation, Justin Fields, you know, all those things that we don't always have insight into exactly what was going on and what was happening there. Uh, he comes into the Raiders very well respected around the league. And um, I like what he said, Levi, and, and you you focused on this in your story, which is the idea that, look, we he likes to win in the trenches. He likes to run the ball, which is exactly what Antonio Pierce said he wanted to do. He wanted to uh, keep Raider football going the way it was. But at the same time, he's also flexible. And that's the one thing in reading more into him and understanding what he does is he's not coming in with a predetermined, hey, this is what the offense is going to be. He's going to wait and see what Tom Telesco, Antonio Pierce, and his coaching staff builds around that offense before he fully goes in and says, okay, here's what we're going to do. Um, tell me your impressions of Luke Getze and sort of what he had to say in his introductory press conference. Well, first, I appreciate you uh, showing love to Raiders.com. And that's definitely an article you guys should read because that was a, an exclusive interview that I got with Luke. So a lot of those answers that you see in there are, you know, not from the press conference. So it kind of gives you a, a, even more of a different look at him and what he's trying to provide. So I, I definitely think it's a, a pretty solid read for anybody that wants to know more about Luke Gessie. But you really hit it all on the head with what you said, Scott, is I believe a lot of people have a preconceived notion of what they believe a Luke Getze offense looks like. And I definitely believe some of those principles are the same. I do think that he wants to run the ball However, I, I do think, you know, with, with what he what you saw in, in, with, in Green Bay, even though he wasn't the offensive coordinator, he had a lot of time around Devontae, he had a lot of time around Aaron Rodgers. He had a lot of time in a spread offense and kind of, you know, trying to stretch the field out, do things like that. And then once he got to Chicago, you kind of saw him adjust to a different offense. And I, I believe, me personally, that, you know, what we saw in Chicago – was represent you know was representative of the roster that he had mm. he had certain pieces in place he has certain talent in place where this is what they're good at we are going to adjust to what they do um and i, I think that's what he did when you have a, a scrambling quarterback like justin fields in the offensive line uh was much better at run blocking than they were pass blocking obviously 
Uh, they had a really good running back committee as well with a couple of, you know, really, you know, downhill powerful runners. You know, even before he left to go to Detroit, David Montgomery, he had guys like him. Uh, he had, you know, some, some pretty solid guys in the backfield. So I really think that he adjusted his system to what he had. And we didn't really necessarily see everything that's in his toolbox. So I believe with the offense that we have in place uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders, we're going to kind of see him get a little bit more, with, you know, in terms of variety with what he's going to call. Obviously, he's going to run the ball because, you know, success on the offense starts with getting the run going so you can open up other things. When if you can bring back Josh Jacobs and you already have a good run blocking offensive line in place with guys like Dylan Parham and Luke, you know, Luke, uh, I, I apologize, Colton Miller, people mm -hmm. like that, they're, they're going to get things going. So I'm really excited to see what he can do with this offense because I, I don't want to say he's been held back, but I definitely think he has more pieces in place to open things up. Well, and, and I always say that too, because we, we've actually talked about Justin Fields here on the show, uh, Levi, because I actually like him as a player. I think that he, you know, a lot of people want to, these players come into the league three years and they don't maybe reach the success for whatever reason, because situations are different and people want to say, well, they're a bust and they're done. And sometimes, and this is the case with Luke Getz, he's an offensive coordinator as well. Sometimes your situation is different. So you go with what you have and you're able to accomplish what you can there. And sometimes it means you move on to your next spot. He now has a great opportunity. He also talked about the quarterback position. Of course, Aiden O'Connell is a Raider, will be a Raider, did a great job coming in and doing what he was asked to do. But both Coach Pierce, both uh, Tom Telesco, and of course now Luke Getzey have said, hey, we're still going to explore quarterbacks to come in and compete. We want guys to compete, which is, I think, what you want. You want the best guy to win, and whoever that is, it doesn't matter, right? You, you're given the opportunity to compete. Even Aiden O'Connell said that. So we heard Luke Getzey talk a little bit about that. So he can work with different types of quarterbacks. And I think that's important because depending what the Raiders are able to do in the draft or free agency, uh, they could come in with two veterans and Aiden O'Connell uh, and, and another and, and a rookie, or they could come in with a different scenario. Talk a little bit about that though. And the fact that Luke Getzey saying, Hey, I'm not going to, I'm not going to come out here and say our offense is going to be a B or C until I know what the, who the players are that I have in my kind of stable here so that we can get to work and, and get competitive and find out how we turn the offense around. Well, obviously, I mean, that's the right decision for him to make because when you look at his prior experience since he's been in the NFL, he's had a lot of substantial time around three quarterbacks, and that's Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, and Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. All three of those quarterbacks definitely have some similarities, but they are very different quarterbacks when you look at all three individually. So you know that with the experience he has dealing with three very different quarterbacks with three very different skill sets, he's going to find a way to try to make an offense fit or, you know, make whatever he believes or get the most out of someone's skill set. And I think even when you watch film from last year, a lot of things that happened with Justin Fields is, you know, there was a lot of early struggles within the Bears offense because I believe that, you know, he was trying to adapt Justin Fields, you know, into a different quarterback trying to make him play in a different system to kind of, you know, maybe prolong his career, you know, not get hurt, make him, you know, become a more conventional quarterback, you know, have pocket presence, things like that. And not that Justin Fields doesn't have the ability to do that, but, you know, that's not necessarily his skill set. He's a guy that, you know, obviously if you give him time in the pocket, he has an arm, he's going to make plays, but he's also has that, that factor to where he can he, he can make plays on the run. He can do a lot of things in terms of being able to keep a defense on their heels. And I think 
you know, after a couple of weeks of it not working out, they started to go back to that kind of offense for Justin Fields towards the second half of the season, and it equated to the Bears getting a few wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I do definitely believe that he's going to have a system that he's going to put around his quarterback instead of making a quarterback adapt to his offense. And that's what you want as an offensive coordinator. Those are the best offensive coordinators. When you take the strengths of your offense and you make a scheme to where they can do what they want to against whoever they play. Yeah. And and you heard what he said about uh, quarterbacks in the press conference. He wants a guy that has this capability. He wants someone who's mobile, who can who can make you know throws in the pocket when he needs to, but he also has the ability to go and get that first down or, or make a play with his feet when he needs to. Uh, you know, you definitely want a mobile quarterback in today's day and age. And, you know, it's not a, it's not a lie. There's not anything hidden. Antonio Pierce said he wants to bring in another quarterback to compete with Aiden. It, you know, it's, it's very much something that we know will happen. We don't know who mm-hmm. it will be. We don't know if there's going to be a draft pick or a free agent or whoever. However, one thing I will say uh, is do not sleep on Aiden O'Connell. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. think that they're trying to bring in a guy to take Aiden O'Connell's job. And, you know, essentially, I mean, potentially, yes, that's what could happen. But I definitely think that with the growth that we saw at the end of the season from Aiden O'Connell, plus a strong offseason, you know, this could be a guy that could really submit his spot on his on this team, regardless of whatever competition that they bring in. I still believe that this is his job to lose, and I'm really excited to see, you know, the best come out of him you know, in, in OTAs, in training camp with whoever they bring in because this is a guy that he, he did something very difficult. He took a team mm-hmm. that was on the brinks as a rookie quarterback, a fourth-round rookie quarterback. He came in, uh, and he ended the season out with a winning record. He put up 63 points, you know, a granted 14, one of those from the defense, but he put up he helped put up 49 points in a, you know, franchise record game. This kid can play. And there's also obviously some things he needs to work on and things he can improve on, but I definitely still think that this is his job to lose despite whatever competition they bring in. Yeah, and interesting because I, I think it shows for such a, a guy to come in and, and show such maturity in a difficult situation, not only with his play, but his attitude. And and even even talking uh, this offseason, right around the Super Bowl and, and and asking, say, hey, he's like, hey, I don't mind somebody coming in to compete. I have to earn the job. And and to me, that's exactly what you want. And he's going to have that shot. Like you said, he's he's the incumbent. He has the opportunity. He knows the playbook. He played those nine, 10 games. He's able to come in there and understand it. And he's going to get a full offseason with a lot more snaps than he did last year. And so uh, with a new offensive coordinator right there from the beginning. So it'll be interesting to see and to watch his development and whoever they else, whoever else they bring in. Uh, Levi, as we, as we talk about the defense, um, you know, in that business, you know, because in the, in the time you've been with the Raiders and in the NFL, uh, it, it's a great business. Some people, but they come and go, right? People have other opportunities. Um, what was to me really big, I thought a huge deal was Patrick Graham staying put. He had an opportunity to interview for some jobs. I still think Patrick Graham will be a head coach at some point in the near future in the NFL. Uh, But the fact that on defense, uh, with as well as that defense was doing towards the end of the year, how they put it together the second half, um, that's got to be something that is really, really uh, just energizing not only the players on the defense, but the entire Raider organization that, that they have the same guys in place are going to be able to supplement it with some some new players, both free agency and the draft, and just get better. I definitely agree. This defense is at a place where it could really be scary, mm-hmm. especially if you look at you know 2023 first-round pick Tyree Wilson. 
he started to come along a little bit towards the end of the season. And he's going to have a full off season without having to rehab a foot and be able to, you know, be in the best shape possible and really integrate himself into this defense. There's a lot of pieces on this defense that could really make it just as scary as we saw it last year, next year, because they're not going to be losing too many pieces. They're going to be getting back a healthy Max Crosby. They are going to continue to supplement pieces within free agency in the draft. I don't know why the top defensive talent wouldn't want to come to Las Vegas. You have, you know, you see, you saw the city, you know, during the Super Bowl, you've seen the facilities, you've heard all the great things, you know, uh, no state income taxes, just throwing that out there. So it's like definitely a place where, you know, if you're trying to make your mark and come into a defense that's already proven themselves that it could take the next level, the Las Vegas Raiders defense is where you want to be. And I believe that that success comes from, you know, Patrick Graham, not only being a great defensive coordinator because he is, and I do believe, you know, as you said, Scott, I do believe he will be a head coach one day, but, Going from year one to year two, you could just see how much more like comfortable his players were in his system mm-hmm. because he's not a kind of defensive coordinator that's going to have one set defense that you play every game. This is what you do, and then you know we're just going to go from here. He's the kind of guy that he calls a defense from game to game, sometimes play to play. He's going to play. He's going to put together something to combat that offense he's going up against that day. And that's something that can be very difficult for, you know, younger defensive players. But, you know, when you start getting comfortable in it and once your, you know, football IQ gets a little higher, then you could – it's very, very dangerous for offenses. And I believe that's what we saw. Yeah, and you saw you saw that that staff too, which of course Antonio Pierce was still part of too as linebackers because you saw Robert Spillane have an amazing year. Uh, and then, of course, the addition of Jack Jones. I mean, uh, I think the Raiders – will be active uh, from the free agent standpoint and maybe in the draft for, for another outside cornerback. And, and I hope, I hope Amit comes back. I hope they're able to sign him and bring him back too, uh, because I think that unit is special. I think they have a special attitude together. And like you said, it's always about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. You got to get the guys, but they're not that far off from being a really dominant defense. Uh, and, and you could see that because you watch some of these teams that were in the playoffs and you saw that Raider defense just as good. Yeah, no, they were really good, and Jack Jones was definitely a great addition to that defensive unit. He's someone that, you know, AP, he pounded the table for, mm. and, you know, rightfully so. This is a guy that he had known, you know, since high school, since he was 13, 14 years old, uh, and they've had success together, you know, now on all three levels. Yeah. And I really did believe that Jack Jones was a great player, uh, you know, even in New England, you know, for that young defense, and things just didn't work out for, you know, the reasons that we know that they didn't work out for. But adding him into that unit, and, you know, I I wrote about it and I've talked about it, but I've never seen a player come into a locker room that quick and act like he had been there for as long as he had. Like, the way that that defensive back room embraced Jack Jones and the way he became integrated in it so quickly, I've never seen it from any other player that had been traded into the team drafted into the team, picked up a free agency. I, I hadn't seen it. Uh, like the way that Jack Jones interacted with his teammates and the way that he came in, he was just vibing with the defense as quickly as he did. You would have thought that he had come in in <laughs> training camp. Yeah. Uh, so for them to be able to continue that bond moving forward, going to a full off season together, that's going to be huge. And especially if you have a, a healthy Nate Hobbs, 
you know, be able to do his thing and he's continuing, he's continuing to evolve. I, I think that is definitely, that's probably one of the, 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 the most underrated part of that team. When you look at oh, it yeah. last year's, the defensive, the defensive back room, just, yep. the, and, and uh, Isaiah Palomalu safety. He didn't get a lot of time on the field because of Marcus Epps, but he's another guy who can ball. Like they just have a lot of ballers uh, on that back end. And I that definitely think with free agency, uh, they have a very, very great opportunity to even enhance that to a next level. They do. And and it was so nice. Uh, that group, as you said, you saw them mature right before your eyes and kind of gel together. And Jack Jones seemed to be the final piece of that. And not only did he meld, obviously, in the locker room, like you're telling us, but he w- had such a huge impact on the field. Of course, Christmas Day, people won't forget that uh, for, for any time soon. Well, Levi, <laughs> before we let you go, we appreciate you being so generous with your time. Before we let you go, though, you know, the Super Bowl was in Las Vegas. And besides Raider Nation being very upset that the Chiefs were practicing in the facility, you know, of course, they forget the professionalism involved, even when you have rivalries. Uh, but it was a great opportunity for not only the city and the area of Las Vegas to show itself off to to the world and to the NFL, but also the Raider organization had never been uh, had had an opportunity to host the Super Bowl and be this at the center of it. And boy, were they! Coach Pierce was around, of course. Max Crosby. A lot of the players were around doing charitable work, doing sponsorship work. You were also there. Talk a little bit about just what it meant for the Raiders, for Las Vegas being a new NFL market, for you all that work there every day and for the folks in the city to be able to show off uh, what a great place it is, what a great stadium the Raiders call home, and sort of the impact it has overall. That was a great impact uh, just in in all facets. You know, there's a lot of work and there's a lot of things going on, but for a city that's never hosted the Super Bowl, it – I. Can't I can't believe how smooth that it went, uh, <laughs> and just in terms of, uh, like I can't even I don't even know where to begin from the way that Media Row looked and the the security and the way that they had things operating to the NFL Super Bowl experience and you know the exhibits for the fans and all the activations on the strip. Uh, something that I loved is there was something for everyone to do. It didn't matter if you were nine or 99. If you came to <laughs> Las Vegas for Super Bowl week, there was going to be something for you to do. Um, what, and that was, was so awesome. It's just to see everybody enjoy the city. And, it, you know, it's something, it really has become, it's always been like a destination city, but it's always been a destination city, you know, for, for gambling and for, you know, having wild nights and all this other crazy stuff you know, that we all have known Vegas to be, but it's become such a, like, you know, family-oriented place. It's become somewhere that, like, you know, you can come and, and do anything that you want to do in because mm-hmm. there's going to be something for you. And the Super Bowl is a testament to that. You know, the stadium is amazing. The stadium, you know, has been one of the top stadiums in the in the league, unbiasedly speaking, you know, since, <laughs> it's, since its inception. You know, I, you know as That's you what start, people know. People are saying the same to, thing. And and yeah. besides besides Joe Buck losing his head, because that's what he did. I mean, he's talking about, oh, something's going to happen. And of course, nothing did happen. And I had to remind Joe, Levi, that the Super Bowl, the city it's been in most, is New Orleans. And if you've ever been in New Orleans like I have, it gets crazier than Vegas. So, you know, again, it's all about being hospitable and give and having people do what they're supposed to do. And it was great to see, like you said, it was so smooth and and you hear no zero negatives come out of it. Yeah, no, I, you don't. And, uh, and being a Las Vegas local, I've heard a lot of uh, negative things come out of out of F one and other events oh, that yeah. people 
you know, try to talk about, but I've only heard really positive things about the Super Bowl. And I don't think it, you know, not saying anything about any other sporting events or anything of that nature. I'm just talking about the Super Bowl itself. I feel like it wasn't an inconvenience to locals. Mm-hmm. And I felt like they could come and enjoy the enjoy their time as as much as, you know, tourists who were coming in for the game. And I was able to talk to a lot of locals during opening night of the Super Bowl at Allegiant uh, who had come to, you know, see the press conferences and, you know, be a part of the atmosphere. And they just loved how, you know, they were able to have this opportunity. How they yeah. were just in the street. Just kind of, you know, vibe. And, and for a lot of them, they had never been to Allegiant Stadium. This mm-hmm. was their first time ever coming. They had never been to a game. So for their first time to go to Allegiant Stadium, be Super Bowl opening night, like that's awesome. You know, and I, I'm so happy that so many of those families and people that came out, you know, had those experiences. And the game was awesome. You know, being able to be in attendance for a Super Bowl game is something that was on my life bucket list. That's why I got <laughs> in this industry. Yeah. To be able to go to Super Bowl. So uh, obviously for Raiders fans, the two teams that were in it, uh, you probably could have <laughs> you probably could have uh, went without those two teams being in it. But it was just such uh, an electric atmosphere throughout the whole day of being there. I still can't believe like I was able to witness that game. And I'm yeah. so happy that, you know, Vegas did what they did. Uh, and that's what they always do. They put on the show. That's what Vegas is all about. Put on the yeah. Show. Nobody does big events better than Las Vegas. Uh, I've seen that firsthand since I was 20 years old and at UNLV. So so I totally get it. And and I think you're right, too. That opening night NFL where fans can come into the stadium, such a brilliant move. And then, look, the NFL is an entertainment business. They understand it. And I think that was fantastic for people to go in there and be able to do it because it's, it's hard to get to a Super Bowl game. And the fact that you got to see that game, Levi, that's one you're going to be telling the grandkids about because of how it ended just the fact that the game ended ended so um, like a Hollywood script just fits so well with it being in Las Vegas for the very first time. And it, I know, made everybody, including my wife and my daughter, who are Las Vegas natives, uh, very proud to, to see that. And uh, I'm glad I'm glad you were there. And I know the entire Raider staff was working hard as well, helping out the NFL. So kudos to you guys. Levi Edwards from Raiders.com. Levi, we'll catch up with you again as we get maybe towards the draft, but want to thank you again. Make sure you follow Levi on X.com at the Levi Edwards. Again, that's the Levi Edwards. My friend, thank you as always for spending some time with us today. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Scott. Thank you so much. I hope it wasn't too long-winded with my answers. No way. Are you kidding me? Concise next time you have VR. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's it, talk about. it's late February. Uh, Raider Nation doesn't have games to watch, so believe me, they're they're appreciative of of hearing uh, your your point of view and everything going on there with the Raiders. So thanks, buddy. You take care now. Thank you. I appreciate it, Scott. All right, there you go. Levi Edwards, such a great dude, such a great writer. Make sure you check out all of his work up on Raiders.com. When we come back, we will close out this edition of Silver and Black today. And don't forget, we'll be back Thursday. Mo will be back from his vacation and we will talk with you. But don't go anywhere. We're coming right back after these words. Welcome back. The final segment, the home stretch here on Silver and Black today, the Tuesday edition. We appreciate you guys being with us. Again, please do us a favor. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, go do it, man. Come on. You got to go do it. Uh, Wherever you get your audio, just look for Silver and Black today. Turn on that auto download, if you would, please. That way you help us out. We appreciate that very much. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you. Subscribe. Hit the notifications bell. The bell's important. Ding dong, ding dong. Ring a bell. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. 
That means every time we have a new video, guess what? You're going to find out. You'll know. You'll be notified. Also, hit that thumbs up if you would. We certainly appreciate it. As always, in that chat is always lively, and uh, it's good to be back after a week. You know, it was nice to take some time off. Of course, I was still covering the NFL uh, and now into some baseball, but uh, it was nice to to take a little break after going from July of last year all the way through. So it's nice. And see, obviously, Mo's having a better vacation than I am because he's not here yet, but he will be. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but listen, I just want to close some thoughts here. I think, you know, thanks to Levi Edwards again for being with us here on Silver and Black today. Levi's a good dude, works for the team, and and is just a great reporter, a digital team reporter there. And uh, we check in from him with him all the time. It had been a while, actually, since we had checked in with Levi. I, I don't know why we didn't have him on uh, during the season. So much was going on, I guess, but we will have him on again. But it's good to hear about how things are positive inside the building. Now, as he said towards the end of our conversation, like, yeah, that's this time of the year, right? There's no football on the field, which kind of sucks. But what is nice is you kind of get a breather and this whole new attitude that is with the Raiders. It's got to translate to the field, folks. That's the only thing. So right now it feels good. There's no saying that it won't, right? You can carry that over. Uh, but the Raiders have work to do, of course, coming up here next week. The Combine will start. We're going to be up at the Combine. So we'll see how that all goes. We have to see what happens and who the Raiders might be looking at. You get a little bit. It's it's lying season again, as we always talked about. Mo and I talked about it two weeks ago. We called it lying season. It's lying season. And so we'll see what happens as teams jockey for position. But we'll be able to get you some interviews and, and talk to some folks uh, and some people who might be Raider targets. So we'll have to do that as well. But the rubber will hit the road eventually, and this team will get on the field. And as Antonio Pierce always says, his resume is on the grass, and the Raiders' resume will be on the grass once we hit training camp in uh, the end of July, and, and then we'll go from there. But I do think, and I said it earlier in the show in the first segment before Levi joined us, which is um, Luke Getze saying all the right things, and I think he's right. I think he's right. You can't come in and say, well, we're going to force you to fit into our offense. You have Aiden O'Connell there as quarterback, but again, as much as I like Aiden O'Connell, I just don't think he is the franchise quarterback. Now, if he goes out and earns the job in training camp against another veteran and against a rookie, then he earns the job. I'm not going to be the one that says he earns a job. The coaching staff is. They're the ones who know. So could it happen? Yes. But as you heard Getsy say in his press conference, he wants some escapability. He wants some mobility. And that's not Aiden O'Connell. Now, could he develop it a little more? I think he can. I just, I'm just not there. I think Aiden O'Connell will be a Raider. I'm glad he's a Raider, but it's going to take him uh, some time. And I just think he's the kind of guy you want to come in and and back up and and be the guy who can come in and start two games, three games, and win them for you when your top guy is out. But I think the big thing here is, and the point I want to make, this talk about Russell Wilson, this talk about Kirk, you can't chase the now. The Raiders need to find their young quarterback. Yeah, but Scott, 60% of quarterbacks in the first round don't make it. Yeah, and 40% do. So who's to say you got to trust your evaluation process? You got to trust it. Is there a chance? Is there a chance you fail? Absolutely. Is there a chance you sign Kirk Cousins and he blows out his knee and he never plays, i.e. Aaron Rodgers? Yes. Is there a risk Russell Wilson comes in and stinks? Yes. Is there a way Russell Wilson comes in and gets hurt? Yes. So again, not to say those guys aren't good quarterbacks, including Russell Wilson. I know Raider Nation doesn't want to admit it, but he had a pretty good year last year. But this idea, oh, go get this guy. Nah, the Raiders need a young quarterback on a rookie contract. 
who's going to make a difference that you develop. You need that guy. Look at Super Bowl teams and what they've done and develop quarterbacks, young quarterbacks and gone, even gone to the Super Bowl. You saw it this year. Saw it last year. Both teams last year and this year. Of course, one of them is the same team, the Chiefs. But that's what you have to do. So you can chase the Russell Wilsons and the Kirk Cousins and all that stuff. If this team, if this Raiders team was on the cusp of being a Super Bowl contending team, then I might agree with you. Say, yeah, you know what? Go get that guy. Boom. Two years and you're out. Okay? Give him a three-year contract. You get two years out of him. If he helps you get a Super Bowl, great. Raiders are not there. Are the Raiders a, a playoff team? As I said in the first segment, they should be. They better be. I, this is the way I look at it. They were eight and nine last year. They should win 10 games. Right? We'll see what the roster does. But anyway, my point is they're not a team that's going to win a Super Bowl yet. So to me, that changes everything. You got to go back. Well, if, what if we take a step backwards? Then take a step backwards. If you take a step backwards and it gives you the opportunity to go further forward, and i.e. win a Super Bowl, win the fourth in Raiders history, then do it. And that's what you got to do. If you disagree with me, disagree with me. I could care less. Because I know I'm right because I'm looking at the history. I'm looking at what's going on. And don't talk to me about the risk. Every position, every draft pick, every free agent has risk. Ask Chandler Jones. Okay? Ask Jimmy Garoppolo. Those were two free agent moves that went horribly, horribly wrong for the Raiders. Okay? Draft picks. Raiders just crapped the bed on draft picks under John Gruden. Okay? So take the chance, and I bring up Mo, even though he's not here. Scared money don't make money. Scared money don't make money. You got to do it. You got to take the risk. You got to have faith that your people are doing their job, and they're evaluating correctly, and you go for it. Right? Fortune favors the bold. That's it. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Silver and Black today. I'm off my soapbox now. Are you throwing stuff at the screen? I hope so. Anyway, we're going to be back on Thursday with Mo, and we'll talk about the latest Raiders news. Do us a favor. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you don't already do it. Also, make sure you take part in our Raider Nation mailbag. That's on Thursday. So right now, you're listening to this on Tuesday. Guess what? Get your call in, 702 900 702-900-7869. That's 702-900-7869. Or email us, which is less fun, frankly. Email us at mail at silverandblacktoday.com. Mail at silverandblacktoday.com. I will put the phone number and the email below in the description of the video on YouTube or in the podcast if you're listening to us. So you'll see it there. But call us. Try to keep it to about a minute ish, minute and a half, if you really got a lot to say, name where you're calling from, and then your question or your comment. We'll get them on the air on Thursday. Welcome Mo back. You can make fun of them all ways you want to. Doesn't matter. We'll have a good time with it. So anyway, 702-900-7869 is the number. All right. For our producer, Mike Robbie, I am Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black Today. Raider Nation, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you on Thursday.